0: Hi everyone and welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast. I feel like this podcast kind of needs to be created to address the elephant in the room in terms of controversies that are occurring currently and that would be the Mark Todd controversy with The video of him whipping a horse repeatedly with a tree branch for those of you who haven't seen the video you can look it up and find it anywhere I would recommend making sure you actually watch the whole video because there is a part of it where he uses the branch to try to usher the horse into the water but isn't hitting the horse and if people do not watch the whole video they might think that's what people are freaking out about but the part people are freaking out about is the part where he like repeatedly like winds up and strikes the horse like ten times with like a literal branch and you can hear it cut through the air and connecting with the horse so you can't really deny the fact that it happened and it occurred at a clinic during like in front of a lot of other riders and was being filmed and the rider chose to come forward and share it about a year and a half after the occurrence because she didn't know how to proceed with it in the past and it's totally fine like I totally understand why someone wouldn't want to come forward about this because of the response from the horse world Like, I've seen what people have been saying, and there's a lot of people blaming the rider, which I think is completely absurd. So that would be a reason why someone wouldn't want to come up against such a prominent figure in the horse world, even if something didn't sit right with them. So uh, this podcast is solely going to be about Mark's actions, because I don't think that the rider is at all at fault in this situation. And I can explain that a little further later on. But I just wanted to give people the gist of what we are going to be talking about and I'm going to kind of go over the Mark situation briefly in terms of my opinion on it, because I already did a YouTube live on it. But I think we need to talk about the culture that this represents in the horse world and how big of a problem that is. So that's kind of going to be my focus for this podcast episode, because I think that this is an indicator of a problem that we've seen repeatedly occur, even within just the last year. Like stuff that happened at the Olympics and all sorts of different scandals that we've seen and just the response to it from the horse community. We need to talk about that because if we don't and we don't actually start to address this and address the problem, it's going to end up being our undoing and we are painting such a bad picture to the general population of horse people and how we respond to these types of things when they go viral and get this types of attention is... Absolutely important in terms of defining what people view horse people to be like. And if we condone it and are like, oh, no big deal, all he was doing was like tickling the horse with the branch, like that's literally a direct quote from a comment in support of him. If we go that route, people are going to look at it as animal lovers and advocates and go, there's no way that is a tickle. What the fuck is wrong with horse people? And That'll be the tone it'll take if people start rallying against competitive horse sports or even just the act of using horses as riding animals or owning them in general. And people are concerned about that. And I've seen people that support Mark Todd defend him using that argument about like fearing the sport going under. But it's a little silly to use that as the defense because how we respond to these things and if we appear apathetic or in support of someone's actions... That's how everyone views all equestrians. So the fact that there's this many abuse videos going viral and the fact that so many horse people openly support them, it makes us all look really, really bad, even if we do not agree with it. So before we get into this podcast, I wanted to thank the sponsor of this podcast, Anna Luisa Jewelers. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. They are an amazing and affordable, sustainable jewelry company that has super products, earrings, rings, you name it. I love their stuff. I've gotten their stuff as gifts for both myself and my mom, and they make amazing pieces to wear with anything. Their jewelry starts at just $39, and they have new collections that are being released every Friday. So so if you're interested in checking them out, I have them linked in the description of this podcast, or you can check out my link at shop.analuisa.com Shelby. That's shop.analuisa.com slash Shelby. And you can use my code Shelby at checkout to get 10% off. And I highly recommend they have some really neat stuff and I've really enjoyed the stuff that I've gotten from them. So thank you. At the end of the episode, you can go down and hear this link again and go and check out the link down in the description of this podcast on your phone as well. So thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. So, one thing that I will say in support of Mark Todd in this podcast, and I use that lightly because we're going to talk about a change.org petition that's just I support Mark Todd and how absurd I think that is. But one thing that I do respect about him is his apology for this. In his apology, he took accountability. He said he was not proud of his actions and that it was definitely like a fault in horsemanship and not who he is as a person. So, he accepted full accountability. He didn't condone his actions. He didn't make any excuses he just addressed the problem and I respect that a lot because very few people are able to do that and it is something that's very difficult for anyone to do and with that said I I can understand why people would support him based off of his track record in the past in terms of not completely canceling him as a horse trainer but I don't think people should just be saying that they support him in this scenario because when people just see that at face value what you're saying is you support his actions in the video even though he himself has said he does not support them. And I think that's really concerning because then people are condoning and justifying his actions and normalizing it to the masses and saying, like, we don't see a problem with this and letting everyone see that response while the man who is in the video doing the thing wrong says himself that he screwed up. And so because of that, I find it so odd that there's so many people feeling they need to openly say, just say, I support Mark Todd because it's like, if you liked the dude before this and you don't think that this defines who he is as a horse person, that's your opinion. But if you felt that way before this and never said prior to that, how much you supported him or thanked him, why are you doing it now? Just in this context, like if you're going to say that you support him, you need to follow it up with, but not his actions. Like you could say like, I support Mark Todd because I do not think his actions in that video support who he is as a whole i think it's like a bad day or whatever um and people are entitled to that but i don't think you should just say i support mark todd because the message it sends to everyone else is saying i support what he did because that is what is big in the news right now and what that tells to people in and out of the horse world is that we do not see any concerns with his behavior in that video despite there being first of all like scientific study and tons of information done on punishment, especially when you're punishing fear-based behaviors and how ineffective it is and how much fallout behavior it can result in. Like that is an undeniable fact. It's something that's been tested on a species of all sorts, not just horses. And the results are largely the same punishing when an animal is afraid of something is not an effective way of handling the situation so at best it's just ineffective and bad training that he is probably charging lots of money for and at worst it's something that's really traumatic and scary for the horse and it's also potentially endangering first of all Mark because he was well within kicking distance and if the horse did decide to back up and kick out at him he could have been very very hurt or potentially fatally injured so that's not good and then also so a scared and stressed horse is more dangerous, so the rider being in that position where the horse is trapped between the water drop, which it is afraid of, and a man with a branch that is striking it and hurting it, it's stuck between a rock and a hard place, and when horses are scared and feel trapped, they can react dangerously because of that. The higher the stress level, the more potential there is for a flight response, and that's what make horse- makes horses dangerous. That's another studied scientific quantifiable fact that we cannot ignore so at best this is bad training but at worst it gives the horse a very bad experience with something it doesn't set the rider up for success because he didn't really give her any tools and he also put her into in a situation that she did not consent to and that she wasn't prepared to do and that she she wasn't comfortable with the fact that he was doing it but she was kind of like trapped in a shitty situation and he was the one who's the responsible professional who should have made a better decision and like, I agree people can make mistakes and grow and change from this, and I hope that this does not represent who he is as a horse person. Um, in my opinion, seeing what he did, I wouldn't want to pay money to be taught by someone like that, because I'd just prefer to select a different clinician, but if he shows that he's not like this, and his behavior models change, and he actually, like, learns from this mistake, I would not hold this against him, personally, but, like, I just, I would be cautious and suspicious of training someone, who does stuff like this just because I don't think that their methods would mesh well with what I believe in and where I would put money in a clinic is totally my decision so that's not me cancelling him and I think that's where a lot of people are at where they express like I don't like what I see in the video and I'm concerned that this is so normalized because yes we know it's not just Mark Todd yes a lot of us have used similar punishing tactics when horses are scared because that's what we've been taught to do I'm not going to lie and say that I've never whipped a horse for refusal or because they wouldn't want to go somewhere I'm not proud of stuff that I've done in the past but like part of like self-reflection and growing is being able to acknowledge that it was wrong and learn and grow from that and Mark Todd did that and now he can show us whether or not he's going to grow from this and whether or not this actually represents his regular practice but the people defending him are demonstrating that they do not see any issue with this because they're defending his actions in this moment they're not saying like hey, by the way, he's a really great horse person. I think this was just a lapse in time. And maybe some people are saying that, but a lot of the people signing these petitions and just sharing these memes that just say, I support Mark Todd. It's so vague that what they're supporting is why he is in the news. And what that says to everyone else is that we do not value our horses welfare and that we don't want to clean up the sport because Mark Todd did the right thing with how he responded to it and his apology. I don't think he could have done it better. Like, I think it would be cool if he would consider like partnering with someone like Shauna Karish and doing like a de-spooking clinic with water and banks and showing different ways of handling it. That would be more successful and less scary for the horse. That would be like best case scenario, top tier, coolest thing ever of a way to respond to this. And I would have so much respect for him if he did something like that really cool. I doubt that'll happen, but it would be cool. But how he apologized and owned up to it I think is admirable because it's a lot better than like the vast majority of trainers that I've seen in the same position. So I'm not going to fault him for his response for this and he's also not responsible for what how other people are behaving. He could come out and say a statement against the petition and be like I don't even support my own behavior. You guys shouldn't be defending this. Who knows if he will, but he's not the problem here, but other people's attitudes and how they're responding to this is very concerning because it's indicative of a very like pervasively bad culture of like abuse and using punishment and cruelty as a means of handling problems when it's not effective it's unkind to the horse and it scares them and it makes them more dangerous and it it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because a lot of the stuff that people just like use to justify punishing their horse like the behaviors they don't want They'll punish those behaviors but then the punishment is like this circle where it's creating like all these bad follow-up behaviors that are also being punished in different ways or asked to mask and you end up creating what you fear because of how you're handling it it's not because the horse isn't being punished and there's this belief that if you're kind and you re- use reward-based methods that you're just rewarding your horse for being bad when in reality you actually just see less of those bad behaviors because instead of asking your horse to mask behaviors and punishing them for the bad and not showing them the good, you're actually teaching them the skills to problem solve and be able to offer you the right answer. So... It's really concerning that our culture in the horse world is more afraid of the idea of rewarding a horse and creating bad behaviors than they are of punishing a horse and creating a scared, shut down horse or a horse who's essentially a ticking time bomb that can react in a dangerous manner and show like display a lot of the very behaviors that we use to justify punishment but like punishment doesn't fix because it never addresses the underlying problem and I think that the defense of Mark Todd and like the general response to this it's like highlighting our culture and the abuse culture on like a worldwide scale in a way that I'm personally like so embarrassed and ashamed of because Like I can relate to being like that at some point in my life and I'll go into that a little bit later where I'll give examples where I have been taught to do things wrong and I've done things that were really cruel and unkind to my horse because of how I was conditioned to train and like how flippantly we had justified these like, quote unquote, smaller abuses, not that I think that this is a small abuse, but I mean, like people will go, oh, because he didn't draw blood, or he didn't cause lasting damage, the horse was fine, blah, 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 people will use stuff to justify why this isn't that bad, rather than thinking of how could this be better. And that's kind of how we need to justify like our riding practices is if it's unnecessarily stressful and traumatizing to the horse. Could it be better? Yes. Should we do it better Then Yes. Should we not be justifying doing it poorly? If there's a better, safer way to do it that's more successful, we shouldn't be justifying doing it poorly. Um, And we're going to be our own undoing because we're highlighting this to everyone who hasn't been conditioned to be so like normalized, like abuse and like high punishment culture and like not making things enjoyable for the animal. We've as horse people a lot of us are conditioned away from wanting to use reward-based tactics or like and we we like way minimize how damaging punishment can be that's how we're taught we're taught to kind of go to the punishment and like pressure and releases the like the main two things that you use to do anything with your horse and like because of that sorry i lost my train of thought hashtag adhd moment But because of how we're conditioned to feel like you get like an aversion to using food and I like in reward based training, and I definitely had it where I would like literally close the door on considering what people were actually saying. And it led me to like, thinking weird things that were not true about positive reinforcement based training. And like, it was me trying to, like, protect my own personal biases rather than actually think logically and, like, try something and, like, see how it works. Because, like, if you half-ass something, you're gonna, like, try to find all the flaws in it and be like, oh, well, like positive reinforcement made a horse food aggressive but like punishment did this and it's like no like a lot of these horses that we see in these clinics and like trainers who handle stuff like this their horses will chronically always have these little problems that they just shrug off as normal and bully the horse through like even with simple things like trailer loading and like standing for the ferry or where people will like put a lip chain on or put a nose chain on or like get a whip behind the horse or a broom to load them and it's like just like normalized ways of just like you're not ever addressing the problem. You're just forcing the animal to do it. And then if they don't respond well to you, forcing them to do something that they find scary or uncomfortable, then you're punishing them for that response when it's actually them advocating for themselves and trying to communicate with you. But then people shut down all communication and we're normalizing that treatment. And then the same people want to be seen as people who love and care about their animals and want their like best interests at heart. And that's not how it reflects to like most people, like a lot of like people outside the horse world that I've spoken to about these things are like completely shocked to hear how normalized like certain abuses and neglects and basic management and care and training are like it's something that people are bothered by and it's getting so highlighted now that I fear that if we don't actually show an initiative to change that we're all going to get painted as these like bad terrible people who don't care because there is honestly a certain level of apathy at the bare minimum apathy and cognitive dissonance that causes people to not speak out about these things and actually take them seriously and it's going to lead us to our own demise and then once we're already totally fucked people are going to be like oh no we want change like believe us we can have reform and it'll be too late because every time before that we were like "Nah, we don't care like it's fine it's not that big of a deal the horse is just tickled with a branch and the response we have to these types of things says a lot about us and it says a lot about like the governing organizations of like the equestrian world like we need to start doing a serious overhaul on how we view like basic training and management of horses and how it is classified in the law um for like animal welfare rights as well as like in horse show law quote like it's if we don't start making those changes and actually showing that we kind of give a fuck about stuff we're gonna completely get torn apart by animal advocates and like i like i'm not saying that Like, I I wouldn't even say that we wouldn't deserve it. Like, if people don't start taking this stuff seriously and if we don't actually show, like, mass change and, like, start to care about our horses more, then we kind of do deserve to have people scrutinize us and not want people competing on horses because it's like you're not taking things seriously we're learning now that there's better safer and kinder ways to handle horses that result in better well-being and make them easier to train and work with like even in just management stuff but also within training and we're learning this but so many people are so adamant in staying in, in their old traditional ways and digging their heels and despite the evidence that that's not the best way to go about it and For people that can like logically actually think about the science behind things and try to apply things and notice the difference in their horses, they're going to be part of the advocacy for change. But for the people who don't want to learn and are so stubborn and stuck in their ways that they'd rather continue to do something wrong and pretend that it's not wrong and tell everyone that they shouldn't be concerned about horse welfare because they personally believe it's right, despite all the evidence that doesn't go in their favor, they're going to be the demise of the horse world if they're the ones that appear to represent the majority of people in the horse world and that's the way it looks right now with how competitions are run and judged and with who gets the spotlight and I don't know like I still have I, I like horse competition but it does get harder and harder to go especially when stuff like this happens because like I have really tried and worked hard to sway away from my roots as a horse person based off of what I was taught because I'll go into that in a few minutes because I know this is, like, an awfully long tangent. Hopefully people like this stuff because, holy shit, I'm so ADHD. And this is me on Vivens. Imagine if I wasn't. Anyways, um, yeah, so, like, I've worked really hard to try to sway away from my roots and, like, I've had to, like, the thing that I want to honestly try to represent is that I understand the struggle of having to look back at what you've learned and have to essentially relearn a lot of it and admit how wrong you were for so long. Like I can relate to that because I was taught how to do things in an incredibly shortcut terrible way and had so many little little like in in quotes again because I know that in the grand scheme of things they're not little little abuses normalized to me from the age of four onwards because of who my role models were and also for my mom herself because she rode before me she had the similar things normalized to her as well because of like where she kept her horse and the people she showed with so I I understand how hard it is to undo those biases and how it can be really depressing and like difficult to like deal with in your brain and like have to like emotionally like have sit with you and like the research and having to like admit that you could do things a different way and really come to terms with like what certain horse behaviors mean and like how certain bits and equipment work that is really difficult to do it's really uncomfortable to do and it's not easy and I can relate to that because I had to go through that. But like I think that the discomfort of it is worth it because there's a lot of discomfort and frustration that comes with being ignorant and ignoring the gravity of like how we shrug off some of the things that we do in horse training on a regular basis. Once you start to undo those biases that you learned, you realize how much easier it makes day-to-day tasks and like literally doing everything with your horse and how much less frustrated you are and how much less angry you are and how much more enjoyable it is just to do little things with your horse because your horse actually like wants to be there and do them with you and once you realize that it becomes a lot easier to be open-minded and start trying new things and start to like let go of like certain traditions and stuff that used to justify and kind of decide to do flippantly without regard for the horse and without factoring in how it might impact the horse once you start to make those changes and notice the difference you realize how much for the better it is for both you and the horse because it makes training easier it makes handling your horse easier it makes it more enjoyable because you're not fighting with them as much um and, like, some examples of what I'm talking about would be, like, um, when when I was, like, I grew up riding and showing Arabian horses on the Arab circuit, and it was, like, super normal to ride in Kimberwicks, and then when I started doing, like, hunter and sport horse classes, I couldn't ride in a Kimberwick and sport horse classes, but you're allowed to use, like, a Snapple, so I used, like, a really, really thin, like, like honestly, probably, like, three millimeters, well, not millimeters, maybe, like, a centimeter three centimeters thick, max. And I know for Americans, that's not going to make any sense to you, but like one of the really, really thin twisted wire bits. And it was basically like a freaking cheese knife, like one of the wire cheese knives. That's essentially what it was like. And I would ride my horse in it at shows because he was softer in it and it was, like, less work to get him into, like, the false frame that would be awarded a ribbon. But I was never taught how those things would impact him than how, like, not teaching him how, how him how to carry himself properly would impact him. I would school him in, like, draw reins and also the 10-ring Arabian horse martingales. Look them up. They have, like, it's just, like, a martingale... Um, with like 10 rings up and down it so that you can rig the reins like way lower like closer to the chest or the elbow so that they're like a draw rein and it's much more severe cuz it's a pulley system um through those rings and there's like no yeah no leather it's just immediately attached to like the martingale or single um and yeah stuff like that was like super normalized like doing up flashes and nose bends, like a two-finger rule never heard of her um like it was like, cranked the mouth shut because you couldn't show in a flash. I always schooled in a flash because you didn't want them opening their mouth. And the flash I was only taught was just taught teaching them to not open their mouth. And in the show ring, you didn't have to, you couldn't use a flash. So I would even like warm up with a flash and take it off right before going in the show ring and then like literally crank the nose band super tight. And it was awful, but I was, it was so normalized to me by like adults and like everyone who I respected and who represented a role model to me that I never really considered how it would impact the horse, especially at a young age. And like my horse, like Liked me enough to come up to me. He nickered at me in the barn when I came in, but like he would nicker every time because he was bored as fuck being stalled all the time. But he showed signs of liking me and he honestly handled it pretty well. He never got like cinchy and trying to bite people, even though I bet his saddles literally never fit. And, like, overall, he was a pretty good boy. The only thing he did was being super spooky and he would bolt sometimes, but he, like, did not get enough turnout. So he handled everything well and he was a really good boy. Never had any stall vices, but was definitely stressed. And he handled it, like, amazingly. And I feel very guilty for the stuff that I did. But it was so normalized to me and, like, everyone shrugged it off. And even once I started to get into, like, the hunter-jumper scene, there was certain things that were super just like flippantly said by so many different people like with training horses like adding pressure and like how much you add and like how mad they get at them for certain things like hitting them in the face for biting or like if a horse is like really pushy they like freak out at them and like wave the the rope around and make them back up like the entire football field length across the arena and um like using a broom to load a horse and like a lip chain and a nose chain to get them on instead of like actually working on trailer loading with them and using different tactics and just like stuff like that it was all so normalized like a clinician that I took a jump lesson with back in the day when Milo used to buck after jumping fences they told me to like haul back on him and like rip his back teeth out and I was like oh my god And, like, just, like, stuff like that instead of, like, softening. And, like, this isn't even to say that these trainers need to use rewards-based methods. But it's just so normalized to, like, blame the horse and get after them for their behavior and be upset with the horse and cause the horse physical pain or at least emotional pain and fear in the name of training um, when, like, it's not even the most successful way of handling things. And then horses who shut down and stop responding and like become easier to work with as a result that they're the ones that people will use to like prove that their method works but then all of the ones that kind of go to the discard pile or who can like manage well enough but develop clear conflict behaviors because of how they're written they're, they're like they actively suffer and have constant things that like probably piss their riders and owners and handlers off because they're annoying to deal with but that come out because of their handling and management and how they're trained and People never seem to attribute that to how they handle and train their horses. And they always try to evade accountability and just be like, oh, this is just how they are and, like, there's nothing that I could do about this, but then they're so quick to blame the horse and make it the horse's problem by, like, the equipment they use or how they punish the horse. And, like, it's so normalized and it's concerning. Like, it's more normalized and accepted. This is where the horse, like, this is something that people need to consider, It is more normalized and accepted to get harsh and use things that will cause your horse physical pain and can very easily cause lasting damage if misused or even when used properly, like lip chains, nose chains, um, like certain types of bits and like gadgets and basically anything that's used to like try to coerce the horse harder by causing more and more pain and Um, pressure. It's so normalized to use those things and not be judged for it. And people are like, oh, like, no, it's fine. You don't understand. He's just pushy or like, he's this, he's that. And people don't want to ever be questioned on that. And they always shrug it off and they don't really openly admit like why the equipment works and like why their horse listens better in it or and they're very quick to judge people who consider using rewards-based methods and be like oh I don't want to be feeding my horse all the time or like oh like that won't work it'll just make him food aggressive and it's to the point where people frown upon rewards-based methods and openly judge it and say that it doesn't work for every horse despite like the science behind it in all species and completely shrug off the idea of altering certain aspects of showing to make it easier for those types of riders to enter the show world and reconsidering like what they allow in terms of harshness for equipment on the other side. That's like coercive and aversive equipment. Um, people are like frown upon the idea of opening the doors to allow kinder options. Yeah. Like bitless riding or like use of clickers and like rewards based methods and classes and different types of shows people want to close all options off to that and slam all the doors and lock them. But then they want to continue to be able to freely use harsh equipment that is easily abused and on best case scenario. If it's in the best hands or like the kindest, most empathetic rider who still uses it, it is still masking an issue by using mechanics to try to overcome whatever the horse's issue is, be it like bolting to fences or hollowing out or, being too nervous to shoe so it needs a lip chain it's a band-aid fix that never addresses like why they are behaving in that way and it's allowed normalized and honestly encouraged to a large degree because of how much we normalize it and how we like use like status like oh you haven't competed at that level so you can't judge even though like what we are talking about is something that's specific to the horse so it's like how a horse biologically and psychologically functions that's not something that's up for debate depending on the level you ride at because those horses aren't manufactured differently in nature. Like, they're still the same species and they still think and feel the same way and have the same characteristics. And we use, like, showing and, like, status and, like, how, how, how many ribbons someone's won and how experienced they are as a reason to completely cut off all criticism for certain things and try to completely silence all conversation and concern about like valid welfare concerns in the horse community and we're not allowed to judge but then they're very quick to shut down like the opinions and like studies of literal behavioral professionals and people with their doctorates who are like conducting studies for a living and like have to get them peer-reviewed and work way harder before their opinion is taken seriously than the average horse trainer does and those opinions are very quickly written off by society like our horse society and it's because we have this community where people do not want to learn and change and they are like selfishly to their horse's detriment clapping their hands over their ears and being like la 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 la, not true and continuing to perpetuate like all these normalized abuses that stack on each other and cause so many problems that we have with our horses. And they don't even want to be, like, criticized for it, and rightfully so. And it's to the point where even in a situation where the guy himself who did the wrong thing criticizes himself and says that he re- like, that, it, that he's ashamed of it, They still are so riding so hard to defend these things that they're going to defend his actions when he doesn't himself, when they're saying that they respect this man and his opinion. it's like, you're not honoring Mark Todd by justifying behavior that he says doesn't represent him. If you appreciate and value his opinion and his status that much, then what you should be doing is, like... Agreeing with him and being like, wow, like there's better ways to do that instead of like, I don't know. I've had so many people call everyone stupid or be like, you've not competed at these levels or like sensitive sallies, tree huggers, like hippies, all these names to describe people that took issue with like what Mark Todd did, and then all these comments minimizing what actually happened in the video and completely misrepresenting it. They're so entrenched in how they train and handle their own horses that they're like willing to put their necks on the line to defend something that mark todd didn't defend like please self-reflect and ask yourself if you're doing this why it gets such a response out of you because i think it's like underlying guilt and these people saw themselves themselves in mark todd in that video And they don't want to accept accountability for it. And even when he does for himself, they can't accept it for themselves. So they're willing to go to their graves defending Mark Todd um, for something that he won't even defend in himself because they are that rigid and not wanting to consider their horses emotions and learn like literally more effective ways to train. That's the thing that I think we need to reiterate on this topic is that there's a more effective way of handling this behavioral problem, especially in a clinic setting that you could do very easily that would require no, like literally less effort because I bet Mark Todd burnt more calories whipping that horse than he would have by like help leading the horse in and rewarding it for stepping towards the drop and letting the horse look at it and walk up to it first instead of rushing it. He would have expended less calories doing that and it would probably would have been less frustrating for everyone and it would have been easier and more successful and like why are we like why is it such a frowned upon idea to give the horse the benefit of the doubt more i've seen a lot of people say that like everyone makes mistakes and mark todd shouldn't like get in trouble over this or lose his career and honestly he's not going to lose his career he's going to be fine but he's just being scrutinized now because it's like in the limelight um I've seen so many people defending that and saying, like, he deserves more chances and, like, that he's, like, a good horse person and they can't let, like, one instance and one behavior represent him as a whole. But then it's, like, why don't you, like, flip the roles and, like, put that same perspective on your horse? Like, why don't you consider the fact that like your horse might have a bad day and have triggers that stack because of the inadequate lifestyle it's provided with and your tack not fitting or the bit hurting it and you not being aware of how hard you're pulling on the reins or how hard your leg digs in or the fact that they have ulcers or the fact that they have kissing spine or something that's bothering them or the fact that the weather is cold today and their muscles are more sore or that their hair is rubbing the saddle pads pinching any number of reasons that could make their day harder and make them not cooperate as much the fact that we're supposed to give a grown man who's 65 and has been training horses for a living more benefit of the doubt than what people are willing to give their horses is is absurd like we hold people to a to lesser accountability than we hold horses like if a horse balks at something that they haven't done in a while or something new or responds to pain or discomfort or anxiety we we justify punishing them because they know better and like it's too dangerous to let like a big animal behave this way and that if you don't put them in their place they'll walk all over you and all that jazz and like it, it takes the responsibility off the handler to ask why the behavior is occurring and address the underlying cause. And it puts all responsibility on the horse to not only mask the problem behavior, but get over whatever emotion the behavior was expressing. And so the horse is held accountable for not only how the person feels and perceives their behavior, but also for holding themselves accountable for how they behave and interact with a human when they don't know their social role and it's the person's job to train it. And it's inherently, less clear to use punishment because all it does is teach the horse what they did wrong. And we put all of that responsibility on these flight animals who are so good natured that even when they're put in positions like this, they don't just like completely freak out and just deck someone in the head and kick out and really harm people. Like, we're lucky horses don't hurt us more. And it's honestly shameful that as a community, there's so many people who are willing to justify this behavior because... I'm, I'm all for people making mistakes, but, like, Even if you saw yourself in that video and you've reacted that way before and you know that that's like what you your go to for frustration is, you should be able to look at that and go, that's not the best way I could have handled that. That doesn't represent me at my best. And you can start to realize that there's better ways to handle it and start to rectify that response in you and deal with what your underlying emotions and motives are for that response and stop making it your horse's responsibility to deal with it. Like you can do all those things within yourself and you don't have to be perfect and you might slip up and you don't have to go like a purely positive reinforcement approach but you can start to address the underlying emotions and motives behind your behavior and educate yourself on why it's not effective and why it's not the best response and why we shouldn't normalize it and anyone can do that and you don't have to do it immediately and so like as a community we need to not normalize defending like this level of like display of lack of emotional control on the part of the person and then like so freely blaming the horse for their lack of emotional control when we put them in very stressful situations don't hold ourselves accountable and scare them and use painful and like anxiety inducing tactics to try to mask emotions in the horse and then blame the horse for their response and be like see they're dangerous this is why we need to like coerce them more and continue to make them mask behaviors so they become a walking like, nuclear bomb waiting to go... A nuclear bomb of stacked triggers waiting to explode. But, like, yeah, this is the way it needs to be done because that makes sense, despite the fact that none of the science points in this direction. Um, yeah, if you can't tell, I'm just, like, freaking on a tear and a rant about this behavior because, like, I cannot stress this enough. I understand very intimately where these emotions come from and where like what the underlying motives are for people who do this and like why it's hard to change and like how much easier it is to go back to what you're comfortable with and what you've been taught and how hard it can be to like find new trainers and like wrecked like reckon with like the wrongdoings you see in the horse world and like having to like learn better ways of doing things. I understand that intimately because I went through it and it's something that I still have to work on because like it can be frustrating. Horses are frustrating. Things can go not as planned and you can be disappointed you can have a very disappointing ride in front of a client you can have a disappointing ride at a show your horse can have a problem with something that they haven't like had a problem with before like for example i had a trailer loading clinic recently my horses all were way worse about trailer loading than they have ever been like, Banksy especially, because he's always been perfect to trailer load. It did not go as planned. It was a windy day, and, like, there was a lot of stuff going on. A horse got cast in the fence when it happened, and I was disappointed. It would not have been the right decision to, like, get a branch and whip my horse into the trailer or start punishing the horse and making it their problem that I'm disappointed that their emotions on that particular day don't fulfill my personal timeline and my desire for what how I wanted the sessions to go. And in the past if something like that had happened it would like that's what I would have been trained to do is blame the horse get behind them pressure them more and make them do it because they're being bad and you can't let them get away with this or they'll be worse next time that's what I was taught to do from like my very first introduction to horses I literally it never crossed my mind initially to use food to trailer load and teach behaviors like that because I was never taught that I in fact I was like deliberately encouraged not to consider using treats because I was told it would make horses nippy and aggressive and I just believed that and took it to my grave and that was like well not to my grave obviously because I'm alive now and I don't agree with that but you know what I'm saying um because it was just what I believed and like growing up like the internet wasn't, wasn't what it is now it was like very hard to navigate and I was also too young to do it for a lot of my career when I was doing this and when I did start to get the means to like research more and started to learn things. It was very hard for me to take in at first. And I went into denial and I didn't want to believe it. And I would adjust certain things, but I would like deny others. And I would always look for stuff that would represent how I wanted to feel and look for ways that I was right rather than looking into what the other side might be. And Milo really challenged me to make the changes that I needed to, because he put me in such an uncomfortable position, having a horse that I couldn't handle effectively in that um, that like responded poorly to the really forceful coercive methods that I had. And he like made me change sooner than I would have. But even within the last few years, like I've learned so much more patience than I've ever had, because I've like learned how much better other like kinder, softer ways work, and how much more emotionally and physically exhausting it was for me to use really forceful and coercive methods and get mad at the horse when they're just scared or not understanding what I'm asking. And I've learned that even for me, like, it's more effective because it works better with the horses. They have less behavioral problems and more able to do more things with them and it actually addresses behaviors long term. But for me too, it's less stressful. I'm less anxious. I enjoy working with them more and I have less, like, conflict with how, like, the facts are represented versus how I emotionally feel. So it's been healthier for me and... It's taken an effort to get to where I am and I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do but it's a necessity if we want the horse world to remain and if we want any public respect Um, because people see issues in a lot of the stuff that we do and what we normalize and The more media attention it gets and the more flippant we are about our response to it, all that shows people is that we don't care, we don't want to change, and that we're ignorant to scientific, like, science and fact. I was going to say scientific fact, but I couldn't decide. Um, And, like, that's what that shows the masses. So it's ultimately, like, up to us as a community to decide how much we actually care about these things and address our behavior and, like, check ourselves and start to learn how to self-reflect and, like, admit to admit accountability and, like, really decide what we want to normalize to the common population and whether or not we want our sports to survive because I guarantee you, like, with the populations becoming more educated, with, like, horse science becoming more and more mainstream, if... If we refuse to change, animal welfare organizations are going to hone in on what we're doing and our practices and blow them up in the limelight and show everyone and everyone's going to hate us. And the more people defend that, all that's going to prove to them is that we're not in it to change, that we're not in it for the horse. And that will justify the demise of the entire horse industry because... If we show a lack of desire to change and hold people accountable and self-reflect, despite the fact that the information to prove us wrong is out there, it's tangible, and other people see it even when there shouldn't be as educated as people within the community, Th- that's licensed to cancel horse sports socially because people aren't going to want to continue doing something that they don't, first of all, don't do and have... N- like, the average person who's not a horse rider does not really care. Like, it it doesn't affect them if horse sports cease to exist. So if they think everyone who has a horse is abusive, they'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah, cancel all horse sports. It doesn't impact them. They're not going to think about the millions of jobs lost, the displacement of the horses, and so on and so forth. They don't care. And there's way more of them than there are horse people. And even within the community, there's a lot of horse people who do not support horse sports anymore, and who do not support a lot of upper-level riders because of their conduct. And... If we don't change, all those people can come together and force change. And to appease the masses, it will be, like, horse people's necks on the line. Because in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter what we're doing. And, like, we're if we don't change, we're going to be forced to by either, like, having reform forcibly made more so than what is happening now very slowly. Or we're going to have our sports cancelled and lose the public license to do what we do because we're going to be labeled all as abusers. Because, I, honestly a normal the average normal person would not look at that video of mark todd and go oh he's tickling the horse with that branch they wouldn't look at that and go oh this is a fine and normal way to handle this they look at that and go what the fuck is he doing what is he trying to accomplish that's mean doesn't that hurt the horse a lot of horse people would deny the fact that that hurts the horse despite the fact that it's been proven that horse's skin is thinner than people's so in theory it should hurt them more less justifiable and i've also seen people justify stuff like this based off of like oh it could be worse like other people are worse like jockeys hit their horses in the home stretch repeatedly and it's like a branch that is thinner like a branch switch would be worse than a racing whip but that aside other issues in the horse world that should have more reform don't justify this one not being bad you know like things can vote like things can be bad there's worse abuses there's horses who are starving there's horses who are being beaten with like chains and whips and like actually actively being like abused abused in the way that people would think for like an aspca commercial um Yes, there's worse forms of abuse than what was depicted in that video by far, but that doesn't justify the abuse in the video. And by saying that, we're just being like, oh yeah, like we know it's worse than this, but so this is fine, but we're not addressing any of that. And, like, that makes us look bad. It makes us look apathetic. It makes us look like we do not give a shit about the well-being of horses. And, yeah, that's not how I want to be reflected as a horse person personally. And the fact that people will call me, like, a tree hugger or, like, some dumbass and be like, oh, look, all she does is give her horse cookies. She doesn't even do anything. She's never worked with a difficult horse. Blah, blah, blah. They'll, like, like attack me until they're blue in the face but cannot come up with anything that attacks the science behind my beliefs and they'll discredit me until they're blue in the face because they don't want to agree with what I say because they're not ready to see that part of themselves and make the changes that I have and like I think that's one thing that I need to reiterate to like more of these people is like I have literally been you before like I know what it's like man being there have the scars to prove it not well actually yeah because I off and got into way more dangerous situations through training that way than I do now um have the scars and honestly injuries that are invisible and chronic because of how I trained and I'm coming out on the other side and like it's a weird feeling because I have, like, a lot of guilt and shame for things that I used to do in the past and that I justified and that were, like, yeah, like, how I would handle horses with frustration and use, like, punishing and really forceful tactics that were ineffective and, like, just an indicator of my own ignorance and impatience. I have a lot of guilt about those things, but also, like, making the concerted effort to change and, like, acknowledge your behavior I think is what sets people apart like it's not about making mistakes that's the problem because everyone makes mistakes it's very easy to get misled and educated improperly by horse people because there's so many unqualified trainers because there's like literally nothing to stop them from offering services and there's so many shortcuts taught so it's easy to get misled but it's ultimately up to people to like whether or not that's what they want to continue doing. Like, the information's out there and, like, denying it when it's, like, handed to you and continuing to fight for things like this instead of questioning why so many people got a response from that video and why it made them uncomfortable. It's ultimately up to, like, the individual whether or not they actually want to change. Like, if you dig your heels in and you're like, oh, well, fuck everyone else and fuck all that science. Like, I've been training horses for X number of years and my personal experience this, like, denying the science... Like, then you're just closed off to any learning, and I don't know, like... I don't trust horse people that don't admit that they're actively learning. I can't admit that they're wrong and like continue to use the same methods forever more because it's what they've done in the past. Like if you're not constantly learning and learning from your mistakes and learning from the behavioral feedback you get from horses and adjusting your methods and re and learning new things from the horses you teach, then are you really a good horse trainer? Probably not. Because if you use a one size fits all approach and never learn from mistakes and don't take behaviorist feedback and don't, take like your own behavior and treatment towards the horses as feedback and how frustrated you get with them or like how quickly you resort to punishment as feedback then you're not actively trying to learn and better yourself like resorting to punishment for like anything on a regular basis is just ineffective it'll make you an angrier person and it's just not going to work and it damages your relationship with whatever creature you are using it on on a routine basis it's foolish and it's so normalized to use punishing like scary painful tactics on horses that are like that render the horse unable to enjoy the task at hand even if it's possible for them to do so in other settings and it's so normalized to just jump right like resorting to right to those things because horses are big and like I agree horses are big and like if you are in a situation where a horse is dangerous and you need to get out of it do whatever you do We've got to do to get out of that situation. If you've been taught from a young age to punish horses and your horse does something and you resort to a habit that has been so ingrained to you that it happens almost reflexively do that, but then pause after and be like, okay, like I need to be aware of my mistakes. I need to address that. And like, there's a better way of handling this. And it's up to you to like catch yourself and start fixing that. Cause that's where it starts is to start getting curious about different ways and to catch yourself when you use like lazy training tactics that are ultimately making it your horse's responsibility to be uncomfortable, just so that you don't have to actually address the problem. And it's a decision you have to make daily. Because, yeah, when I get horses who are inverted and hollow and, like, not wanting to hang on the bit, it would be so much easier for me to just, like, like easier mentally to just put on draw reins and be like, oh, like, look, now they're in the position that I wanted, even though their back and core is not engaged at all and they're still stressed. It would be easier for me to just take that easy shortcut out and be like, I'm manufacturing this position. But it wouldn't address any of the problems with the horse and long term the horse would suffer because of it. And I've had to make that decision because I used to take the easy way out. When I showed Arabs, I would ride and draw reins all the time. I literally would never ride without at least a running Martingale. I can't remember the last time I've used a running Martingale. Oh, it was with Harlow at Thunderbird. And I put it on and then I took it off because I was like, I hate this. It's too restrictive. Haven't used one since. Don't even know where my Martingale, like, bib is. So like I've massively cut back the equipment I use I've never like I haven't used an elevator bit or a Pelham or anything like that in god knows how long like I have no idea like I've really cut back and softened my approach and it's been successful for me it's been safer for me my horses and I have a better relationship and it actually addresses the underlying problems so it wasn't easy it was a decision I had to make every day and it wasn't like a quick change it's happened over the period of like probably like a decade, because like, like basically from the time I transitioned out of the Arabian horse circuit, which was when I was 14. So that's like 12 years ago. So for like, at least that long, I've been transitioning away. And there were times with my old trainers where they would do things to my horses that just wouldn't sit right with me and that I was uncomfortable about. But it was easier to just not say anything. I've had to really train myself and grow as a person to be able to call myself out on that stuff. And to be like, hey, that was wrong or like, yeah, this makes me uncomfortable for a reason. I don't have to keep putting myself in these situations with these trainers. I can speak up. I can find a new trainer. I can move my horse. I had to slowly become comfortable with doing those things and advocating for my horse more and for myself more and actually addressing my actions and how I behaved and how quickly I resorted to punishment and how quickly I would use shortcuts in training gadgets and other types of quick fix methods that don't really properly address the problem. And I had to slowly address that and kind of start picking away at my weaknesses and working on myself and working on my perception and how I actually viewed a training program. And even today, I'm still working on it because with the pressure of client expectations for how long things c- should take, it's very hard for me to advocate for myself and my beliefs while fulfilling like the demand of clients and trying to like explain to them where I'm coming from. So while I've changed and developed as a rider and a horse person, I've had to change my approach with clients and figure out ways to advocate for myself and the horse while still fulfilling like the common person's expectations and timeline with their horse to some degree and it's been difficult to navigate and it's been hard so it's a decision i've had to make daily because there there are times where you could just take the yeah like the easy way out So choosing to do the right thing is the choice you've got to make daily, and it's not just pertaining to horses. It's easy to, like, freak out and, like, project onto other people and take your emotions out on others, and we still have to catch ourselves on that daily, even when you're making a concerted effort not to do that. It's easy to snap at people, it's easy to project onto the environment, and to not properly address how you feel. And it's even easier to project all that onto a horse and blame the horse for problems in training, rather than looking at yourself and why you're eliciting that response in the horse. So swaying away from that and starting to change our opinion of things is a choice that everyone has to make individually on a daily basis and it's not about being perfect it's not about doing everything the same but it's about when you do make mistakes and you do learn how to do things better that you catch yourself when you're doing things that are in a toxic like not helpful and not kind to the horse manner and just kind of learning how to do things better. And it doesn't even have to be like an immediate fix. Like try to just slowly change to be better than what you are on a daily basis. Like if you are riding a horse who has a saddle that doesn't fit properly, see how you can adjust the fit within your means or do lunge work and groundwork with the horse. Or if you ride like a lesson horse who has a saddle that doesn't fit, like, try to advocate for them by talking to someone at the barn or seeing if there's, like, a different saddle that you can use. Like, it doesn't have to be a huge change. Or if your horse doesn't have enough turnout at their place, like, turning them out in the arena more, taking them for longer walks, going several times a day to take them out so that they can explore, setting up times so that they can interact with other horses, and just making an effort to better their situation immediately in ways that you can, and then long-term considering how you can better their situation long-term. And... None of that involves quick immediate fixes. None of it involves like completely changing what you know and turning it upside down. It involves the desire to change to even slowly get better and the desire to be open to like things looking differently than what we've grown used to them looking like in the horse world because horsemanship is not looking good currently and like we could be doing better and we could be putting more of an effort in to promote good welfare practice in sports and to start to change things that we've normalized because back in the day when people were showing like even 50 years ago there probably were not as many bits on the market as there are now and as many training gadgets and shortcuts and I'm sure people still took them but now we just have such a huge wealth of like or yeah surplus of, like, gadgets and quick-fix methods and, like, shortcuts and, like, different training opinions and just, like, a huge normalization of blindly following and believing long-term horse people's opinions on things regardless of whether or not they've been scientifically disproven and, like, basically dying on the hill that, like, long-term horse people with their practical knowledge are the most knowledgeable and come above all scientific knowledge and all behavioral knowledge and all training knowledge, even when their methods are shown to be like ineffective, like, or stressful to the horse and so on. Like, a big name promoting a certain method or believing in doing things a certain way doesn't make it ethical or fair to the horse and like we need to realize that because just because things have been a certain way for a long time or certain people have achieved success through doing them that way doesn't mean we should continue modeling that behavior we can change and start to alter things to make them kinder and just start to brainstorm different ways to do things it's not about completely subscribing to one mentality it's with a desire to consider what a more ethical sport looks like so that we can all talk together and brainstorm ways to slowly reform the sport it's not about immediate change it's about the desire to want to improve and there's a lack of that desire in the horse community currently and it's gonna be our demise as I've said numerous times now because I'm I can see it happening and like like, even within, like, a lot of people who've been lifelong horse people that are losing their love for the sport, because they're starting to see all the holes in it, and all of the issues in it, all the problems, and it's, like, demoralizing to be a part of it when that's the case, and so, like, it's up to us to, like, decide to make that change, and it's not easy, and I understand, and, like, I do want to reiterate to, like, anyone listening to this, like, I'm not, like, hating on anyone who's not training exactly how i do like what i want people to take out of what i say is just suggestions on like starting with little changes of how you can better your horse's situations or different ways to consider doing things and then if they work great like continue using them and you can start trying more things but like consider doing like little minor changes it doesn't have to be huge things it doesn't mean that you I have to agree with every single thing you do or that you have to get defensive and try to explain why you do certain things to me like my opinion is my opinion and I, it's based off of a lot of research and experience in my like in my opinion and also like scientific opinion for a lot of the other stuff but like it's not me saying like you have to do things this way it's saying like hey consider this like these are the things that I've learned and like you know like I'm not always perfect like when I've had bad days with my horses I just turn like decide not to work with them or I'll cut training sessions shorter or I have to reconsider how to do things and it's not that I don't have any frustrating sessions anymore some horses don't pick up things the same way and they're harder to work with and I have to work harder to try to figure out their problems and to try to problem solve and it can be hard for me because I'll be like oh my god am I gonna figure out this horse like what like getting to the bottom of a certain issue or what will work for that horse and how to like best address behavioral problems to make the horse's life better immediately like it requires work and it can be hard when things don't work and when you have to when you think things that will really work don't end up going the way you think or if something happens after even during good sessions where something unexpected happens that scares the horse and makes things go wrong it's frustrating and like there's been times where I have to like just take a deep breath and like Cause I can feel like my old, like the tension and the anger and the frustration bubbling up, like how it would have used to when it would get easy to get upset with the horse. And then you take a walk, you let the horse go for a hand graze, you pet the horse, you try to calm yourself down so that you can help the horse relax and address that. And it's like learning that pause moment and learning to like, just not make it so easy to take your temper out on the horse because it, it is easy. And we, it's reinforced, heavily in the horse world to behave that way and it's up to you ultimately to try to create that pause moment where you don't go and take the easy route of just punishing the horse and taking your anger out on the horse and inadvertently creating more problems that you probably don't want and as well as impacting your relationship with the horse and it requires lots of work and it requires effort and it requires learning different ways to do things that are unlike anything you would have been taught throughout your career, because we're like I said, directly discouraged from doing um, like certain like rewards based training methods. So it's hard to start to brainstorm that way. And I view it the same way as what is with horses, horses who've been heavily punished and trained with like, mo- like punishment and aversives and taught not how to, give the right answer because like when horses are punished for unwanted behaviors it automatically will make them less likely to offer new behaviors because there's a greater risk of it being punishing if it's the wrong behavior so they're not as likely to offer solutions and problem solve as animals who are encouraged to problem solve by being rewarded for the correct answer so they become harder to train and i think that this is how a lot of riders are um taught in the horse world like if you don't whip your horse when the trainer says to after a refusal they might continue yelling at you and continue telling you until you do and then when you finally do they'll be like yay woohoo good job like Congratulations! Like, you got him. You showed him who's boss. You got him going. And then you start to feel good about yourself when that happens. So you're constantly conditioned to do that. And it's, like, a release for frustration and anxiety. And it also lets you take out, yeah, like, any fear or frustration on the horse when things go wrong and when they don't go as planned. And it's highly reinforcing. And it's very easy to do because it's, like, a quick thing that you can do in the moment when you don't know what else to do. You can just resort to just punishing, like, hitting your horse with the reins, cracking them with a whip, kicking them, seesawing on their mouth it's so easy to do when you don't know what else to do you've run out of solutions you don't have a toolbox and you're just mad it's easy to take it out on the horse and it's highly reinforcing and it's encouraged consistently in the horse world and we're discouraged and kind of poked fun at and considered like uneducated if you suggest rewards-based methods or if you don't want to get mad at a horse they're like oh well then they'll walk all over you and you're made fun of for that so then you're punished for that which makes you less likely to like offer new solutions because you're constantly having your credibility torn apart when you question why things are the way they are in the horse world. And then you stop questioning stuff. Because when you question things, people get mad at you and go out of their way to try to make you feel stupid. um, Because they're uncomfortable with the real answer. And so you stop questioning things and you just start blindly following instructions and then you become like them because you learn to take out your frustration on the horse and it becomes the easy solution that doesn't require a lot of thinking and when you've run out of solutions and don't know what to do it's reinforcing for you and it gives you something to do that makes you feel powerful and in control in that moment when you're not controlling the horse and the horse is being difficult and giving into that is like a lapse in self-control like It's a power move to be able to control your emotions and to take a step back and not blame the horse and to try to care more about how the horse feels during things because honestly like horses have let us get away with a ton of bullshit for years now and they're really tolerant animals so it's like I guess congratulations that you can take advantage of this really tolerant animal but how much cooler would it be if we all started to be more focused on how to motivate them to want to do what we ask like it would completely change how the horse world is operated and it would make it so much more fun for everyone so much less frustrating and punishing like the our entire culture punishment so normalized like it's normalized for instructors to completely tear their students apart and be mean to them and be overly blunt in the name of teaching them and being honest and like saying like, like the horse world's cutthroat it just is the way it is and just not being accommodating for different styles of learning and like not being kind and not wording things in a nicer manner and just yeah like we normalize being punishing and overly unkind to like students and like other riders and like very harsh harshly criticizing people for little things and there's a lot of stuff about like status even like brands and like what what you wear to ride there's a lot of stuff like that and it just normalizes a very judgmental like condescending and like elitist attitude and a lack of questioning like the people who are considered well respected and at the top regardless of how they actually got there or how accredited they actually are and we need to start to undo that and that starts with people actually questioning people at the top and not not continuing to refuse to hold themselves and others accountable and if we start to do that, it'll help clean up the public perception of horse people. And if we start to normalize like good care practices, it's going to set a good example for younger generations. And then they won't have to go through the difficulty of learning something the wrong way and learning to be punishing and learning to be mean to their horses first and ask questions later. And they'll learn things the correct way. And then they can learn how to like enjoy riding and how to not defer to punishment and how to actually problem solve and try to, communicate with their horse by being curious about why the horse does certain things and why certain behaviors exist and being taught how to recognize early signs of stress that they don't get in dangerous situations it'll make the sport safer and more enjoyable for everyone especially the horse and again like it starts with very minimal effort like the minimal effort of just being curious enough to learn ask questions and to not continue to enable people that do shitty things like mark todd held himself accountable He doesn't need you defending his behavior. He did not defend it himself. So if you're defending it, ask yourself why the public judgment of this got such a visceral reaction from you. And if you saw yourself in that video, I want you to consider how you handle things and consider better ways of doing it that would actually address your horse's fear or discomfort with whatever task it is and would actually address the underlying reason behind the horse's behavior or why they're saying no to you. And in turn, I think you'll achieve more success in training. And I'm not saying you have to start doing everything the same as me and com- become completely open to stuff that I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you just start to like get curious with why your horse is offering certain behaviors and consider ways to motivate them to be comfortable with doing what you're asking... You won't find yourself to resort to such, like, caveman quick fix, like, tactics that are just getting mad at the horse. And you'll be less frustrated as as a result. So it's a positive on both sides. Um, Anyways, that's my rant for the day. And like I said, Mark Todd gave one of the better apologies that I've ever read from any horse person that's made a mistake. So I appreciate that because, yeah, like, I, like... I don't know most horse people who have grown up having like little abuses normalized to them they have done things that they will come to regret as they become more educated and learn more and learn better tactics so that's a normal thing and you'll have to undo a lot of bad habits and lazy behaviors you're taught from learning things incorrectly and that's normal and and so like for people listening to this who are trying to better your horsemanship when you have a bad day with your horse just remember that like any anyone can have a bad day and instead of getting like frustrated or blaming yourself or saying that your horse hates you, just try to pause for a moment and just take it as feedback and be like, my horse is communicating with me, like and get curious about why they're offering those behaviors and start to just learn more and that level of like openness, even if like your trainer has you resort to tactics that you start to disagree with more that you want to sway away from and you have to give in to those things occasionally, the fact that you're getting curious and trying to communicate with your horse is what sets you apart from other equestrians and it's the like that amount of caring and the desire to learn and grow and self-reflect and consider what your horse is telling you that it'll help you completely completely change how you are as an equestrian and how you handle horses so Yeah, like that's what I've experienced. And like I said, it's been a slow change. Like there's trainers that I would have condoned in the past that I personally wouldn't train with now. And it's not that I think that they're terrible people or anything. It's just that it's not what I'm looking for in my training with my horses. Like I'm looking for something different. And it makes it hard harder to find like-minded people that I'm comfortable taking complete advice from. So like I take pieces of advice from all sorts of people and there's people that I respect for different reasons even if I don't completely agree with them. And I think this is what people should take out of this podcast is that you can appreciate Mark Todd as a horse person from his entirety of his career but you don't have to agree with his actions in that video. And the same, the same applies to all source of different types of trainers you can appreciate the work that they do with horses while acknowledging how it can be detrimental stressful or unfair to the horse or like that if they use a certain punishing tactic to try to punish a fear behavior that it's not going to be ineffective that it's not going to be effective um that it is ineffective and that there's a lot of science on that side and you can acknowledge those things without completely just being like, oh, because I feel this way about this one thing, I either have to completely support and agree with everything this person does or completely hate them. It's not that black and white. There's nuance. So remember, you can think that Mark Todd doesn't, thats that he's not represented by this one instance, but you don't have to agree with his actions in that instance. And we shouldn't condone them because it's going to be our demise. So... Please, this is my plea for people, like, the younger generation and, like, anyone listening to this, really, if you're involved in the horse world, even if it's, like, selfishly just to try to maintain good appearances for the media, stop defending, like, proven abuse videos and, like, trying to make up for someone's actions when they use a lazy tactic like this. We need to start normalizing better horsemanship and, like, speaking against this type of stuff. Like... I don't know like I like last time I got a horse from the racetrack which was like almost two years ago now he'd been stalled for 30 days and I had to walk him out and load him in a lip lip chain because he was like flying a kite and it was not safe and there wasn't like he was too scared to eat food so I couldn't use that and we didn't have sedation so yeah because of that I loaded him in a lip chain. I'm not gonna waltz around and be like, that was the best way of handling that. And this is how everyone should train. And it's a necessity for all trailer loading. And this is the best way of doing it. If someone had filmed it and posted it, I would be like, yeah, like, I don't condone that as a regular training method. It's not effective, it's punishing. And it yes, it causes the horse pain. You don't have to like, yeah, you don't have to be like, oh, this method is great and has no problems, you know? And sometimes shit happens and sometimes you might make mistakes or use something that's not the best way of going about things, but, like, how you respond to that and whether or not you defend it as, like, a good training tactic shows whether or not you're self-reflecting and growing as a person. So, yeah, I'm a, I appreciate Mark Todd's apology, but I still wouldn't want to train with someone like that personally unless I saw that they had, tra- tra- like, Oh my god I have such dry mouth I'm sorry guys But unless that I saw that they had changed A lot like I wouldn't be comfortable spending Money to train with them and like that's my prerogative He's still gonna have enough clients That he's gonna be totally fine from this So Yeah, like, if you stand with Mark Todd, stand with his opinion of his behavior in that video, and it's not that he he doesn't agree with it. So if you stand with Mark Todd, stop defending this behavior because it makes us all look bad and we need to care more about, like, having better appearances in the horse world and not condoning such, like, like... Flippant mistreatment of horses, where we're just like, oh, this is no big deal. This is fine. This is like totally justified. And anyone who doesn't agree is a big, stupid doo doo head. And that's kind of the tone this stuff takes. You don't have to be perfect. You can make mistakes, but you don't have to pretend that, like, signs of your worst moments as a horse person or moments where you've like lost control and like do something that's not the greatest you don't have to pretend that those are your highlight reel and that they're totally fine and that there's no problem with them like self-reflection is good guys you know like you're not you don't always have to be operating at a hundred percent um But if you justify when you're operating at like minus ten percent, people are gonna question whether or not you think that behavior is acceptable because your defense of it is telling everyone that you think it is acceptable to behave that way. Um, So, yeah, to everyone defending this, if you love horse sports, maybe actually care about making us look good. Okay. So yeah, thank you everyone for listening and. Um, Yeah, if you're interested in seeing any of my tutorial videos and behind-the-scenes stuff, you can subscribe to my Patreon, patreon patreon.com slash s-d-e-q-u-u-s. And then I also have released some spring saddle pads that are super awesome, and we still have some bridal pre-order spots open, and I'm also going to be releasing some super cool stuff in the coming weeks that you should stay tuned on my pages for. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool, and right now I have a sale going on on my merch store, shopmilestoneequestrian.com, for 15% off the whole store if anyone's interested in any of my merch, and yeah, so i don't know like i think that i understand there's a lot of tradition in the horse world so this is like my last follow-up on the situation there's tradition is heavy in the horse world but like it's up to us to modernize and i i agree people can grow and change and that mistakes are okay and we shouldn't cancel and witch hunt people but we also shouldn't justify bad behavior and make excuses for it especially when the person doesn't themselves so if we want to better ourselves as horse people it's our job to do that Anyways, I hope that this was this tangent and long stream of consciousness podcast was fun. And if this isn't your style of podcast, I would recommend not um, following me (laughs) because all of my podcasts are like this ADHD stream of consciousness. I have to wait when I have a thought and then I have to go heavy and just record the whole thing in one go. Um, So yeah, check out my pages and um, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast and share it if you like it. Anyways, thank you for watching and supporting my podcast and just a friendly reminder that if anyone is interested in checking out the jewelry on the Ana Luisa website, you can check that out at the link down below this podcast or at shop.analuisa.com Shelby and use my code Shelby for 10% off of your order. They have some really cool items. I highly recommend it. Check them out. Thanks and have a great day, everyone.